0: This is An American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to rewatching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Chad Hopkins, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Katie White. Katie, how are you doing today?
1: I'm really well, Chad. I'm excited for this special episode of An American Workplace.
0: I am too, and we'll talk a little bit more about what this is and what it's going to be in just a moment, but how about you introduce us to our new review from this week?
1: Yes, so we have a nice review from L.D. Martin, 1959. If I'm not mistaken, that's our friend Leslie Martin, who has been emailing us pretty frequently, which has been really nice to have some uh, constant contact with a uh, with a listener. So that's been great. Thanks so much to L.D. Martin and uh, hope to hear from more of our listeners soon.
0: Yes, we do. And now for what this episode is, it is the season finale of season two of The Office, and we thought we'd do something special. This was actually Katie's idea, and we're going to do a commentary. So if you pull up Casino Night, the final episode of season two, on Netflix or on DVD, whatever it is, You can hit play with us when we do a countdown in just a few seconds, and then we will be talking through the episode. We will be talking about what we're thinking. We'll be talking about some DVD commentary that's from the cast and the producers of the show and also some deleted scenes, and then we'll have a little bit additional uh, conversation after the episode that you can stick around for as well. So we hope this is something you'll enjoy. This is a first for both of us as far as uh, commentating an episode and watching it together, Live, uh, more or less. So, we hope you enjoy it.
1: Please do bear with us because we are watching this um, live together. There can't be a whole lot of editing done. So, if there are any mistakes, we do apologize. Also, this is an episode that's probably best listened to while you are actually watching along with us. Not to say there won't be any uh, additional merit to listening to it without this, but probably going to be best if you watch along with us. So, uh, if you're not in front of your TV or your computer, uh, pause here. Come back when you're when you're in front of your your
0: TV. I will put a timestamp in our show notes as well if you would like to skip to the part that comes right after the actual commentary. So look for that. Otherwise, let's get started.
1: So the season finale of season two aired on May eleventh, two thousand and six. Directed by Ken Quapis, and really exciting. It was written by Steve Carell.
0: Yes, it was his first episode to write for the show. We're excited to dive in. We both have our episode pulled up and ready to go. I'm going to give a three, two, one, go countdown. When I say go, you can hit play and hopefully we'll all be in sync with each other so we can watch together as much as is possible at the moment. So are you ready, Katie? I'm ready. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. (laughs) so philanderer almost sounds like a word that he's made up in fact i think i probably initially thought that he made it up but i know i looked it up and i think you did too what is a philanderer
1: basically a womanizer um which i do not believe is the word he was trying to say probably philanthropist
0: yeah probably that (laughs) but uh it's sad that michael used an incorrect word a word that he didn't intend but it wasn't too far off the mark from describing him (laughs)
1: What a great costume here on on Rain wilson
0: yeah, it's a a family heirloom, <laughs> but he said he was buried in it so if if he was buried in it, when did Dwight get it back, and we can still we could see Jim and Pam there sort of trying to figure that out themselves This
1: is such a great cold open
0: here yeah it's extended and it's actually a cold open that sort of goes throughout the episode too we don't always get one that is more than just a one-off
1: yeah they got a few more um minutes to to air this episode i think they got six or eight more minutes um, of airtime so they got to extend some scenes which is always fun
0: yeah, supposedly fans uh, petitioned to have a longer season finale than the other episodes, and it worked out, so. I just love that Dwight is even considering that this is a possibility.
1: Right, like, well, and of course it's really um, quick quick friendship on, on Pam's part to play along. Um, and of course she would, you know, she and Jim are prank buddies, but quick thinking.
0: Yeah, that was something that I was wondering as well, whether it was planned or unplanned. Um, But I think it was just spontaneous and Jim expected Pam to go along and she does. So that's a a testament to their friendship. And fun fact from the commentary, Jenna Fisher said she actually didn't move it with the umbrella because the umbrella couldn't reach from her seat. So it was pulled by a string, but uh, we didn't have to know that for the, the joke to be funny.
1: But she did hold an umbrella in her hand. Right, she um, did have it. When she was filming it, which is (laughs) odd, but hey.
0: Authenticity. That's what we're after.
1: In the commentary, they mentioned something about uh, maybe changing up the credits here for season three. I can't remember if they do. I guess we'll see.
0: Yeah, Greg Daniels' response to Rain Wilson's question says no, maybe. Yes, (laughs) Uh, he, he doesn't give a correct answer one way or the other.
1: try to be politically correct there with jam
0: the characters in the show have a sort of history of making bad pairs uh like dwight's done it a couple of times like butch cassidy and mozart <laughs> eva perone and caesar chavez do not pair well together at all eva perone was the husband of the argentinian president And Cesar Chavez was a US civil rights activist. And so they're they're just like vaguely Spanish sounding names that Michael associated together.
1: Right, Michael's more word association than anything I guess.
0: It's funny that Michael wants to do this for the Boy Scouts of America, but what happened to the full belly of rice for the boy in the Congo that he was talking about in the cold open? (laughs) You know, Oscar makes a good point. There, This doesn't help anybody who actually needs it.
1: The Boy Scouts, I assume, probably have lots of funding. They're probably doing just fine. <laughs>
0: um, it's funny that Jim says that because I looked it up and Comic Relief, the U.S. organization, actually did return later in 2006, which is when this aired. And a couple yeah. more times since then, but it is defunct. It hasn't been active since 2010 at this point.
1: So Creed visits a, uh, a homeless shelter or a food bank, one.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Is is he homeless? We we don't know a whole lot about Creed's <laughs> at-home life, but uh, we know he's apparently accustomed to mugshots. Yeah. <laughs> I love this line. (laughs) Should I keep going?
1: (laughs) Iconic line here.
0: Yeah, that's one of my favorite Michael Toby interactions where Michael's just I hate so much about the things you choose to be. <laughs> it's it's uh, like going around the sentence, not tr- not really finding where it is. It's like a weird way of saying it, but it's it's just so funny,
1: so quotable. This is also a great wordplay thing. Afghanistan, Afghani, Afghan,
0: <laughs> Afghanistanis. <laughs> this is one of those scenes that was possible made possible by the extended runtime of the episode that almost certainly would have been put in the deleted scenes. Yeah. (laughs) There's a reason those things aren't funny and are off limits to jokes. It's because it's all about people suffering or dying. Right.
1: Here's Pam uh, censoring Jim from her wedding planning, or trying to.
0: Yeah, because the last we saw from both of them was at the end of conflict resolution, where he admitted that it was him who complained to Toby about her planning her wedding at work. Right. A little
1: sad. I assume that means Jim.
0: I think that Jim is maybe getting around, getting along with Pam so well because his time here is so short, why he doesn't care about the wedding planning as much, because he knows he's getting ready to leave. He has no future here.
1: Right.
0: Michael and more of his casual racism.
1: That was uh, <laughs> written by Steve. I mean, the the whole episode was, but in the commentary, they said that especially these little bits, these little, you know, quotes that uh, hood people say, according to Daryl, was all made up by Steve.
0: Yeah, I think Dink and Flicka, at least on Urban Dictionary, says that's life or c'est la vie. It's sort of the equivalent. But I just love that Daryl says uh, it, it's just stuff us Negroes say. But I, I have a high doubt that black people say these things regularly. I think it's Daryl <laughs> just sort of Punk and Michael.
1: Now, why does Jim know what Pam's mom would love? They are, uh, they're rather close. I mean, he's, he's probably met her mom, you know?
0: I was sort of wondering, um, does time pass in the show in the same way it does in the real world? Like, this airs once a week, so since this aired in may do you think it's been six months since the christmas episode in the reality of the show i don't know Hmm. and this is a big reveal as well because in season one kevin initially said that his cover band was for steve miller and we hinted that that changed and uh there it is it's the police yeah
1: that should be a red flag you know it's uh usually, you know, I, I assume when you plan a wedding, you're stressed, but it's okay because you're planning it with your fiance. And that's what takes the stress away. But for Pam, it's Jim.
0: And little does she know that Jim is planning on going away. Because yeah. if time is passing normally in the show, it's only a month away until they actually do get married. I love that Pam does the whole uh, wait a second to let Michael get his first line out of the way because it's usually awful and get a normal response the second time. (laughs)
1: <laughs> in a weird way kind of nice of Pam.
0: yeah i think he's cons or she's considerate of him but i also think it shows that she doesn't trust his impulses yeah correctly <laughs> you know you really can't blame michael for this because jan did say no and maybe he was right. finally trying to move on from her by talking with Carol. I mean she's I mean Carol's nice and she's pretty and he gets along with her kids as we saw back uh at the ice rink.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: Jan changes her mind maybe to like finally give Michael a chance as a potential boyfriend girlfriend kind of thing. We don't know, but uh it it's it's funny Carol is actually flirt- flirting back with him now. He, she uses his no problemo right back at him.
1: Right. (laughs) He is so nervous.
0: And uh, drop a deuce on everybody is definitely not something you want to say. Drop a deuce is uh, colloquialism for like taking a dump. Not good.
1: I'd like to point out the the differences in costuming here for for uh, Pam and for Roy. Pam looks lovely. She's in a in a dress, in a really nice dress and Roy put a sweater over a t-shirt.
0: Yeah. Uh, that was really clever uh hiding the kiss from uh or to Carol from Michael where he turns it into right. a greeting and then uh covers it further by doing the same thing with Dwight. <laughs> and then Dwight uses a code name Remax uh for for Carol as the the realtor. But then Lan Jevonson, that is just an awful (laughs) code name,
1: Had (laughs) Chopkins.
0: (laughs) <laughs> i think that ties in a little bit with the mugshot uh a custom uh that that he tried to do in conflict resolution as well maybe oh yeah maybe he's arrested a lot because he steals things a lot he just stopped caring a long time ago
1: the fact that Michael just assumes that a woman next to this character in a wheelchair must be his nurse
0: Yeah, Billy tried to do the same thing, or Michael did the same thing about Billy back in the injury, uh, assuming that disabled meant that you were helpless. And he just isn't. He's lived his whole life in a wheelchair. He has to let that go. (laughs)
1: Look at Angela in that low-cut dress. I mean, she's uh, flirting it up with Dwight here. You can tell i'm obviously very fascinated by all the costumes in this episode
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's definitely interesting to see everybody getting dressed up in their own way uh like they pointed out that phyllis is sort of dressed as a 1920s flapper right Oh, that line made me laugh a whole lot today when I was watching for preparation, where Michael says, let's get it started. The Black Crows, because I don't think I ever got it. He means the Black Eyed Peas, the song by the Black Eyed Peas. And when oh I realized my gosh. that, I thought it was hysterical. I laughed so hard earlier.
1: I never got that. <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel... Bad for Toby a lot of the time because he gets treated so badly by Michael. But it sort of says something about his state of being that taking money from Michael makes him feel so good and that he's going to chase that. Yeah.
1: In the commentary, they mentioned that that was a plot line that kind of got lost. They didn't end up really doing it, but that Toby was going to become a gambling addict based on taking money from Michael.
0: (laughs) Right. And Dwight talks about his acute ability to read people there. Um, but he's really just a moron and Jim is able to exploit that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which means the only kind of luck he has is bad luck.
0: (laughs) Apparently so. He He's making this so much more awkward than it needs to be because he's doing what he always does, where he blows things out of proportion and makes things out of nothing. He had nothing with Jan. And now he's potentially ruining things with Carol by making this thing with Jan a big deal when it wasn't. Right. Dwight is a great lookout
1: so formal
0: she was so uh, condemning of gambling earlier but here she sort of gets into it a little bit because it's Dwight Right. Oh. <laughs> Those looks right on here. their faces.
1: That smile. <laughs> <laughs> A little insight into the private lives of Dwight and Angela. <laughs> this is pretty telling here. So they're playing poker and Uh. Jim just like goes all in and gets turned, you know, and, and, and loses and a little bit of foreshadowing there.
0: That is, I didn't think about the foreshadowing part yeah. of it, but, he, um,
1: he goes, he goes all in and
0: loses. Yeah. And I don't know if he's, he he's trying to read Pam. I don't know if he was successful in reading Pam and just sort of let her win or if, uh, he, he just really was thrown off by her or blinded by her flirtation. I don't know. I love how Michael has made this awkward for them. Uh, Like they, they wouldn't have any problems with each other if it weren't for Michael.
1: And Michael in the background here noticing that they're talking right
0: here oh no (laughs) it's great for him that carol seems to be on the same page she called it a first date right uh but jan was so like almost condescending or teasing there saying oh first date casino night in the warehouse you're a good sport Ryan has nothing to say about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he thinks he is on two dates right now.
0: It's funny. It's he he doesn't get the role he wants. Uh, maybe it's bad luck for trying to please both of them. He has to pick one.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: In this room, Dwight sort of revealing that Jan actually came with the expectation of getting back with Michael in some capacity because she didn't come with hotel plans. She planned on maybe staying with Michael. (laughs) <laughs> I feel so bad for Kevin. I suck. <laughs> <laughs> Losing to somebody who's playing just for fun when you're a high, big shot poker player.
1: Not even consulting Pam.
0: Yeah, I hate how flippant he is about it. I mean, tell us how much you really care about Pam's opinion, jerkbag.
1: Right. We clearly love Roy so much.
0: Yeah, you can tell. Here's Jan.
1: Jan stress smoking again.
0: It's interesting that she had sort of this intimate moment with Jim. Uh, showing maybe that connection that Jim has talked to her one-on-one before and is considering this transfer, and she's very open with him. She says, why did I hook up with Michael? It's the first time she's, like, sort of admitted it to anybody.
1: Yeah. In the commentary, they mentioned that a lot of people expected a kiss here between Jim and Jan, Um, and then actually, in the deleted scenes, sorry, no, in the bloopers... John Krasinski fakes out a, a kiss on
0: Laura Harden. <laughs> I, I guess this is the first moment that sort of makes it official that Jim is leaving. <laughs> Watching this earlier, I sort of forgot that Creed was the one who won. Spoiler i suppose (laughs) but i I, the way he was making this announcement i thought he was about to announce that phyllis was the one who had the highest chip count because she just stole all of uh all of kevin's money and chips Mm. um but it's funny that creed who has admitted to stealing to the camera at least uh is the one who walked away and hey he'd never owned a fridge before so good for him i suppose big
1: day The fact that Roy here kind of entrusts Pam to Jim, I guess they're over their, their rivalry.
0: Man, that's tough. He's trying to have a serious moment with her and she's she's, teasing, having a good time. Finally. It's so telling that she says, I can't, rather than I don't, where it's more Mm. out of loyalty to Roy, that's stopping her from pursuing anything further. She says, I can't, like, I want to, but I can't, not that I don't.
1: She says it twice there, yeah.
0: heavy i i i want to talk a little bit more about the whole idea of misinterpreting things a little bit later yes but right now i wonder if michael sort of regrets losing jan in favor of carol because he's been pining after her for months
1: i hadn't thought of it that way but i wonder Ooh, she's
0: this. Now, this phone call is really interesting because it's one that we don't hear the other side to. We know she's talking to her mom. Yeah. But I wonder, like, what do you think they're talking about? Because to me, it almost sounds like her mom is talking talking up Jim. Like, man, Jim's a great guy. Do you think... Right here. Yeah.
1: I think I am. Am what?
0: Making the right decision, maybe. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. Man, that's heavy. And instead of doing what an engaged woman should be doing and pushing away, the guy you're not Engaged to trying to kiss you. she she gives into it. And we're left wondering what happens next. You know, they purposely left Pam's face turned away. they revealed in the commentary, so that we don't know what she's thinking in the moment. And so that is our commentary. We hope you enjoyed it, but now we want to talk just a couple more minutes about the episode, and we'll, of course, talk about the commentary and deleted scenes, stuff that we didn't mention already, as we normally do. And uh, then we'll we'll tie things off. So starting off, what's something else from the episode that you wanted to talk about, Katie?
1: I know we definitely want to talk about all of that last few minutes of Jim and Pam. That's really what I want to focus on. I don't have too much from before. I think I got all my talking points in. Do you want to jump into that?
0: Sure. So we talked about the the whole scene where Jim first confronts Pam and says, I love you, finally. And... Pam says, I'm sorry if you misinterpreted things. And what I basically wanted to say is I don't think there was any misinterpreting um, because I think Pam maybe wasn't purposefully flirtatious, but she was definitely flirtatious and mo- maybe more so than she intended to be as an engaged woman. But I think Jim just might have thought he had a chance based on that. Um, he he wipes away a tear in that moment. Actually, it's kind of heartbreaking.
1: I agree with you because I know some people tend to be more flirtatious just in general and they don't mean to be. Um but I don't peg Pam as one of those people. We haven't really seen her flirt with anybody besides Roy and Jim.
0: And we've seen her be jealous of Jim when pursuing other relationships too.
1: Right. I don't know why it was said that there was a misinterpretation other than just kind of saving her feelings, but it didn't seem like one to me. Uh it seemed like whether she realizes it or not, she's jealous of Jim at times. She's, um, or jealous for Jim, rather. She flirts with Jim. I mean, it barks like a dog and looks like a dog. It's a dog. I think she, uh, she has feelings for him, but she may not know that.
0: But then I also think I disagree with Jim, where he says, I'm sorry I misinterpreted our friendship. And obviously he's hurt when he says that. But they were friends. And it wasn't a friendship based on the... Possibility of them eventually hooking up, either. They just connected with each other very well.
1: That was a, I think that kind of stung for Pam too, because she does value his friendship very much. And she tries to say that. And he says, No, 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 I, 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 please don't say that. I don't want to hear that. Kind of hurts. That kind of stinks. But he's hurt. It makes sense. I mean, he just told the woman he's been in love with for years that he loved her and she shot him down. But I think he knew that was a real possibility. And yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if he maybe expected her to, over time, see how much he cares and supports for her compared to how Roy does or doesn't care for and support her, and that maybe he'd win win her over by being that good friend that she needed. But I don't think that Jim was that petty. Like, I don't I don't think he was being a friend just to get something out of it eventually. I think they were genuinely yeah. friends, and it's just a sort of reactionary thing to being turned down. So
1: that was the first big Jim and Pam moment for the episode. She rejected him. And then we see Pam in the office at her desk uh, talking to her mom. And in comes Jim again. Doesn't say anything and just comes up and kisses her. We don't see her face, as you mentioned. We don't know what what she's thinking, what she's feeling. There was a lot that she said to her mom that we don't know. I think I am. I. I hadn't read it the way you read it, and that makes total sense. I think I am making the right decision. I was hoping it was, um, I think I am in love with him. Ooh. Yeah.
0: Scandalous. (laughs) I I like that, too. Um,
1: (laughs) We'll come back to that later in season three. I want to revisit this.
0: Right. I was just wondering if her mom was either trying to convince her to do what she can to not lose Jim because she knows how close they are, or... To consider whether Roy is really the right man to pursue instead of Jim, because there's nothing indicating that her mom is maybe telling her that she did pick the right man, that Roy is definitely the way to go. Um, so I like even the yeah. possibility that she was asking, well, are you in love with him too? Like, do you reciprocate his feelings? I, I really like that. And something I hadn't thought about.
1: And that's something I think maybe the writers know. Jennifer Shirley as the actress has her own you know, interpretation of what that meant. I don't know that we're ever meant to know. It's fun to speculate on. And I think even at the beginning of season three, I think the first episode will answer a lot of that for us. Uh, and a lot of it is left unanswered. So draw your conclusions. Let us know what you
0: think. Now let's go ahead and go into some deleted scenes that we didn't mention during the commentary. Uh, starting off with the Dunder Mifflin Madlibs <laughs> that that Michael yeah. has come up with. And everybody is so frustrated with it that they start choosing words to fill in the blanks like irritating and frustrating. And Phyllis even throws out the word ass.
1: And uh, <laughs> then
0: Dwight throws in his Battlestar Galactica related ones.
1: I love Jim's face when Phyllis suggests ass as a noun. It's always such a fun surprise for everyone in the office when Phyllis kind of steps out of her shell. And uh, Jim is just so pleased with her that she <laughs> was a little bit gutsy there.
0: Yeah, he, he he's definitely like, you go, Phyllis. You, you said it. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> and I was wondering, is this the first mention of Battle Battlestar Galactica from Dwight? Because it uh, seems like it may I mean, be. It doesn't technically count because it's a deleted scene. But I can't recall him saying anything about Battlestar Galactica before this point.
1: I think you're right. And sometimes I wish I was watching this all for the first time because I've watched it so many times that it's all kind of just blurring together. <laughs> right. um, but I, I'm i like, I don't know when he said anything. I think you're right. I think this is the first mention. But of course, deleted scenes.
0: So. And then there's the deleted scene where Michael is talking about how he's not worried about his branch being potentially closed, even though they are four out of five, because... Jan's his ex, and she works at corporate, and she likes the Scranton branch. And so he says, I think that's really more than half the battle. (laughs) A little overconfident.
1: There's a couple of talking head interviews. One where Dwight mentions that the charity he would like to donate to is the Farm Defense Fund. Okay, that's cool. He's a farmer. And then Jim says that he would like to donate to the Lackawanna County Volunteer Sheriff's Department. Uh, And Dwight is a volunteer... Sheriff's deputy, so that would be really nice to uh mock slash support him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Dwight also quotes a hero. Finally, you know, he's quoted the Sith in Star Wars before and and other bad guys from other literature and other media. But finally he says, with great power comes great responsibility, talking about Jim's supposed telekinetic abilities. He says, I don't believe it's true, but if it is, they could do a cross section of his brain to find out more. (laughs) <laughs> but i don't think it's true he's going back and forth trying to to remain skeptical but also really impressed by the fact that jim seemingly moved this coat rack with his mind
1: i think one of my favorite deleted scenes is actually with meredith um <laughs> the uh the casino dealer actually the one that michael and toby had their little uh duel where where toby won michael's hand that casino dealer recognizes Meredith, and Meredith kind of embarrassed says, oh, I'm so sorry, I uh, I often don't remember the people I've had sex with. And the dealer <laughs> explains, okay, well I'm your vet. And Meredith's like, oh hey, good to see you. And he goes, oh yeah, yeah, we had sex in the parking lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it... her
1: face. She's we... <laughs> so good.
0: We're, we're getting more and more of Meredith. First, uh, she was just another accountant, and then she changed jobs, apparently, to something else, and Then we understand that she's a bit of an alcoholic, and now maybe she's something of a sex addict. We don't know. But uh, bit by bit, we're learning more about (laughs) Meredith.
1: So now discussing the commentary on the DVD, not our commentary, a few things from that. We learn that several of the cast of The Office are musically inclined. We learn that Paul Lieberstein plays the drums, Kate Flannery, who plays Meredith, is a singer, Craig Robinson, who plays Daryl, plays piano and sings. They're pretty talented cast. I know that uh, Rain Wilson, who plays Dwight, plays guitar a bit. Creed, of course, plays guitar. So pretty, pretty talented cast, of course.
0: Yeah. And that that conversation stems from everybody asking uh, Brian Baumgartner, who plays Kevin, can you play the drums because of his cover band's Scrantonicity. And he says, I can now (laughs) because Paul (laughs) Leverstein gave him drum lessons. Uh, And we also learned that the music video that they recorded for Kevin and his cover band was originally recorded to a different song. And so that's why we don't have the full video on the DVD like you might expect. Uh, And you can actually kind of tell while watching that Kevin's mouth doesn't match up with the song Don't Stand So Close To Me. Uh, So I don't know what the original song was, but uh, it is interesting that it had to change at some point, probably due to copyright this or that.
1: I really like a bit that Jenna Fisher mentions. She played poker in some celebrity tournament, whatever, but she lost, she, she was second at her table, and she lost to Keegan-Michael Key of Key and Peele. And Rain Wilson, who's also in the commentary, says he has no idea who that is. Of course, Keegan-Michael Key is a huge name now in comedy, so that's pretty fun that he, uh, in 2006, was kind of a no-name, but now he he is uh, he's a big name so
0: yeah he was with mad tv at the time one of my favorite moments of the commentary it has nothing to do with the episode really but uh the director of photography randall einhorn uh, who used to be a camera person on survivor we've talked about that before but he was talking about the cameras that they use to shoot the show and he calls them big and long and beautiful and jenna fisher spoke up and said that's what she said <laughs> <laughs> it was so good
1: it kind of became a, a little inside joke. It- during this commentary because Randall was so excited to talk about all of his equipment and they were like, okay, no one cares. Like, move on.
0: (laughs) 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 And uh, the fact that they recorded the commentary on June 10th, which is the date of Roy and Pam's wedding.
1: Yeah. They also brought back a lot of stuff for this episode. They mentioned in the commentary, um, a lot of stuff just kind of from the history of the two seasons of the office. They bring back Hooters from the time Michael and, Jim went to hooters so hooters is catering they mentioned Chili's and the waitress from Chili's, who um is now dating billy merchant character uh billy merchant's back bob vance is back so they brought back a lot of uh history for this episode which is neat also to be mentioned um in the phone call slash kiss scene they cleared the set so it was just john kaczynski and jenna fisher in the main office. The camera crew was all in the break room looking through the window. No one else was there. And the first time Jenna had seen John during this this shoot was when he came in and kissed her. They wanted to keep it as intimate as possible. Um, All the lights were off, just like it's shown in the final cut. So they really, really did keep it very intimate. And uh, I think it definitely paid off. And that that cliffhanger is just, uh, I do remember watching that for the first time and just yelling because i really wanted to know what happened
0: (laughs) i i think in the commentary they mentioned that they didn't allow the cast in interviews promoting the season to use the word cliffhanger because they didn't want anybody to potentially guess uh, what was going to happen and so everything was very secretive and the the whole intimate camera crew thing where nobody else was allowed on set and it was just the the camera and the actors basically i think they said they did that with the parking lot confrontation as well and it's funny because Mm. when they were saying that on the commentary they started off with we filmed this like you would a nude scene for a movie and i was left wondering for a second where they were going with that like please continue to explain how this (laughs) is filmed like a nude scene and then it was just like Oh, you mean that the, that the set was closed off? Okay, I get that. <laughs> it was just, wait a second, yeah. what? <laughs> Please, go into detail about I I don't know what you mean.
1: <laughs> I guess just like preserve the privacy and whatever. Really, really intense episode, which is why we chose to do it as a commentary. Um, something a little bit different for this big episode, especially for Jim and Bam. So we will see where that heads.
0: And because this is the season finale and we're watching on DVD, we're about to have to change discs. And so before we do that, we wanted to just briefly go over the bonus material that's available on the DVD on disc four, as it turns out. One of those things is a series of webisodes from NBC.com called The Accountants. And it's a, uh, how many parts, like eight or 10, something like that. And they all tell a singular story.
1: So it's basically, um, mini episodes telling the story of $3,000 missing from the budget. And so the accountants are basically going through and figuring out where that $3,000 is, interviewing and and speculating on who may have stolen things from the office.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of funny moments for it. And I I guess we won't spoil the whole thing. So you can go and find it for yourself. For all I know, it might be on NBC.com still. I don't know.
1: I believe it's on YouTube, if not.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you can find it somewhere online pretty easily. But go through, watch it from beginning to end because it is pretty funny. And it features the accountants, Oscar, Angela, and Kevin. So we get a lot of them and their interaction. And uh, the ending in particular is pretty funny. But yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool special feature.
1: We also get a blooper reel, I believe for both seasons of The Office so far, but definitely for season two. Several episodes ago, there was an accidental boob grab between Michael and Jan, and they actually included the the first one um, <laughs> that that spurred it to be part of the plot. Um, it it was originally an accidental boob grab that Michael did. Um, so that's that's fun that they included that. A few other ones. There's the Chili's baby back ribs bloopers. Um, because of course them singing just absolutely cracked Malora Harden up. That was in the episode, um, The Client. There was the Jim pretending to kiss Jan one that I mentioned. And then another personal favorite was Dwight shooting paintballs at a poster of Steve Carell in The 40-Year-Old Virgin, because that's that would be too obvious to put in the actual episode, you know, because Steve Carell was in a movie at this time, so you couldn't put his face. It'd be a little too meta. But Dwight, or rather Rain Wilson, shooting paintballs at it was pretty funny.
0: Yeah, I mean, this blooper reel is extensive. It's more than 15 minutes long. So again, if you can find this somewhere, whether on the DVDs or on YouTube or elsewhere, it is definitely worth checking out if you want to laugh more than just in the episodes themselves. And speaking of Steve Carell in The 40-Year-Old Virgin, there is another special feature where Steve Carell is interviewed by... Steve Carell <laughs> and uh, Jenna Fisher actually <laughs> makes an appearance in that as well. And they're talking about the office briefly and about 40 year old Virgin briefly. And you get a clip from the 40 year old virgin in there. Uh, so that, that's really funny. And it, it's funny how one of the Steve Carells is the Steve Carell from the 40 year old virgin. And then the other Steve Carell is the one from the office as in uh, they're two separate people with two separate careers.
1: They also do some Olympics promos. Um, in 2006, I guess it would have been the Winter Olympics, so they are doing some some promos and I guess some, some ads as well. Uh, it looks like they aired some ads advertising for the office, so some are done at the skating rink um, during the episode where they're at the skating rink, and um, again, pretty funny. Go find them on YouTube if you're able. Uh, worth a watch.
0: And then the last special feature available on the DVD was a series of fake PSAs, like just like warnings about things there. It was strange, Um, but it's all the different actors in character, more or less talking about things that they'd be concerned about. What were some of them?
1: Dwight talking about, you know, Arctic wolves or whatever. Uh, Ryan talking about not being in an office relationship. (laughs) Pam talking about wedding stuff, just things that their characters would be associated with. I'm almost positive. Those are available on YouTube. Look them up. They're very short, you know, 10 or 20 seconds each. And I think there's 8 or 10 of these uh, PSAs. Pretty funny. Um, Seemed a little... like I I didn't expect to see these on the DVD uh, because they're not really related to anything. But yeah, they were were fun to watch.
0: Lots of fun special features for the end of a really great season. Our first full-length season of The Office because remember, season one was only seven episodes. Um, Yeah. And so this is a milestone for us as well. We have officially finished two seasons of The Office, getting ready to start the third one. Uh, But for now, that is the end of the official 15th episode of An American Workplace.
1: You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com workplacepod or on Twitter at workplacepod. You can rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or email feedback and ideas to workplacepod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at ktlady623 or at facebook.com slash katie.white.
0: And the best place to find me is on Twitter at chadadada, that is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A, and then facebook.com slash chad.hopkins, and I have another podcast called Cinescope, where we talk about the movies we love and why we love them, and you can find that at thecinescopepodcast.com. But as for this show, you can find our show notes and our contact information at our website, workplacepodcast.com.
1: That's all for this week. And that's all for season two. Thank you so much for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 15 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us in episode 16 for our discussion of the first two episodes of season three, Gay Witch Hunt and The Convention. Thanks so much. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye. Starting off, what is something else from the episode that you wanted to talk about, Kelly? Or oh, Kelly, what is what the nonsense? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh. <It's okay. laughs>